political correctness as a code to silence dissent as Western society is raised. The culture wars will erupt into violence, pitting those who defend Western values versus leftists, their allies, and the rulers who want to consign Western civilization to embrace the void. virtue to exist anywhere. I want everyone corrupt. Leaves from the vine falling so slow. Sometimes, Master, it is difficult for meatbags to step back and gain some perspective on death and its importance in their insignificant lives. I don't know if I'm up for this. I'm so emotional. I can barely think straight. Great. Use that. Embrace the void. Warning. This podcast contains foul language, dark invocations, and treating women like their people. episode 197 of embrace the void where we have the impossible conversations other culture warriors only dream about i am your host aaron and this week is part one of a real barn burner so let's suit up life ends in death which we as a species are cursed with knowing resulting in something my guest this week is Kathy Young, a writer who has published at way too many places for me to name, including Arc Digi, Reason, Atlantic, Newsday, Bulwark, The Week, and Quillet, and many, many more. Uh, Kathy, would you like to say hi to the void? Hi, everyone. It's great <laughs> to be here. And I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Good. I really appreciate you taking the time to come on. I do really enjoy having these across the various aisles kinds of conversations. Uh, before we get right to it, do you want to sort of give folks a little sense of what your sort of background, how you self-identify politically, especially since we'll probably be talking a lot about politics here? Oh, my goodness. Uh, I'm one of those uh, hard to label persons, I think. <laughs> I mean, you know, I get uh, on Twitter, I get called everything from a lib to, you know, a right wing shell. So, uh -huh. uh, you know, I mean, at least conventionally, I think the idea generally is at least among, you know, centrists that if that happens, you're doing something right because you're getting everyone mad at you. So, mm -hmm. you know, uh, that's uh, in terms of my personal background, I guess the most interesting thing about me is that I'm originally from Russia. I came here here as a teenager in 1980, which I guess mm -hmm. instantly ages me, <laughs> you know, but uh, that's, uh, you know, one so. pretty salient fact of my uh, biography. I actually wrote a book that came out in 1989 called Growing Up in Moscow, Memories of a Soviet Girlhood, and then I had a second book uh, on gender issues called Ceasefire. So, mm -hmm. uh, you know, hopefully I'm, uh, I'm kind of thinking of a couple of other book ideas uh so okay. uh you know but so far those are the only two um so, so you don't self-identify as a conservative no 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 not at all can you say a little uh, bit why? no 
For one thing, I'm not a um, social issues conservative. Uh, I mean, I had this, uh, the, 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 this was an issue for me since I was in college, really, when I, at the time, uh, pretty strongly supported, this was during the Reagan presidency, I was very much in favor of the uh, sort of uh, the foreign policy, the tough on uh, on the, you know, evil empire stance, because uh, I, I remember this sort of amusing moment. This is from sort of experiences with liberals as conventionally defined mm-hmm. category where uh, Reagan made his um, uh, evil empire speech. And I remember that I was on a bus uh, going to see my then boyfriend in Cherry Hill, New Jersey. And I struck up a conversation with this woman who was sitting next to me. And I said that I was from Russia. And she said, oh, you know, you must have felt so terrible when, you know, Reagan made that speech about, you know, the Soviet Union being the evil empire. And it was like, no, 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 actually, I mean, that's one reason why I left. And that's, you know, one reason why I'm here. I actually sort of agree completely. And she was flabbergasted. So, yeah, I was totally on board with that. I was sort of mostly on board with the sort of deregulation, more free market ideas, although, you know, I'm, I certainly didn't consider myself an expert in that. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's kind of complicated because at the same time, like a lot of the things that conservatives at the time were comparing to, you know, Soviet style socialism, I would be kind of like, no, no, actually, no, it's really not like that at all. And so Uh so I was in that sense, I was sort of already really not fitting into into any of the categories. But also, I I just very strongly disagreed with the whole, uh, you know, the the moral majority part of it, the, you know, the pro-life part of it. Um, I was uh, sort of I was briefly a member of a group called Republicans for Choice. I kind of hate to say that the woman who was the head of that group was the are, are you smiling because you know who she is? She was the, she is the ex-wife, <laughs> now ex-wife of uh, Roger Stone, which is really oh. embarrassing. This was, was one set of fundraising party at her house. Okay. Uh, Roger Stone was not there. I, I am happy to say so. I have never met Roger Stone. That is, you know, one feather in my cap. <laughs> so, so fair enough to say at least that you've spent a lot, you know, a fair bit of time at least in conservative circles, even if you don't uh, yeah, no, that's, identify uh, that's a fair thing to as say. a conservative. Uh, I mean, I was also sort of hanging around with Cato Institute people since I graduated from college, basically. So I was really more on the libertarian side in in some ways. But I mean, it's sort of like every single, uh, you know, part of the spectrum, there was something that I wasn't really on board with. So I... uh, you know, I mean, I wasn't, uh, I, I've, I've never really felt as politically homeless as uh, during the Trump administration, but, uh, you know, but I'm sort of used to not being in any of the uh, sort of well-defined camps. So that's okay, not a enough. new feeling for me. I'm sorry and, and we'll about get, we'll the get long to... answer. No, no, you're fine. Uh, we'll get. We'll definitely get to talking about the Trump situation here in just a second. But I actually, I, I was reading your article on back when you wrote an article about the intellectual dark webs almost two years ago now. Um, and I thought oh, yeah, you, yeah, you yeah. in the article you identify as a sort of fellow traveler of the IDW. 
Um, and you say, uh, yes, yeah, yeah, right. And you say, no, I mean, you know, I, I was writing about sort of political correctness, quote unquote, issues sure, uh, right. back in uh, in like in the 90s when we had the first round of this conversation. It's funny because I'm, I'm looking at some of my old articles and thinking, you know, gee, like you could sort of rewrite some of this today with a few changes. So, well, actually, that, that's uh, interesting you mentioned that because I very strongly agree. And I think that part of my concern that we'll get to here in a second is that it's two instances of a, of a moral panic in a sense. Um, so, but I, let me talk about the SIDW thing mm -hmm. quote here first, because you say uh, in this article, which I think is interestingly prophetic, right? How to avoid the pull of tribalism. You suggest the IDW needs to avoid becoming the proverbial herd of independent minds, steer clear of alliances that are at odds with its broad humanist pro-freedom outlook and appeal to a broad range of politically diverse men and women who reject both left and right identitarianism. I'm curious, two years out, how do you feel like that project is going? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I think we all know how the, yeah, actually, Eric Digital has a, has a really great new piece. Uh, and I, yeah, I think it's, uh, I, I can't remember the, the author's name. This is embarrassing. This is the magazine where I'm an associate editor. Uh, I think it's Adam Wakeling. Uh, anyways, called What Happened to the Intellectual Dark Web. And it's a mm -hmm. really, really good examination of, you know, what happened. Uh, yeah, I think it's like every single one of those warnings. Uh, this is exactly what they didn't do. And, uh, you know, in some ways, frankly, it went worse than I thought because I honestly didn't expect, for instance, Brett Weinstein to kind of flake out as he uh -huh. pretty much has on some of the, uh, you know, facts. Uh, but you don't know. Um... You don't include yourself, though, in terms of in terms of the like not following that advice. You would say that that like even though you were well, I mean, I, I'm project, hoping you, that I generally follow right. my own advice. You know, I mean, mm -hmm. I think that uh, as far as I mean, one really difficult thing, of course, and I think we're going to get into some of that as avoiding dubious alliances because you know, I mean, I have at various moments been sort of chummy with people that I uh, really wish I hadn't been. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, but that's, uh, you know, it's kind of difficult because, you know, first of all, you don't always know what people are going to turn out to be like. And, you know, uh, I mean, honestly, in my case, I can say and I can't really prove this now, but in, in, in some of those cases, I did see the sort of dangerous signs and I thought, mm, you know, this is like, uh, well, I mean, specifically, I, I guess I'm not going to yeah. be coy and say that I'm talking about Milo Yiannopoulos. Uh, yeah, I definitely. I want to talk about that, for sure. So uh, but, I mean, honestly, I really wish I had written this down somewhere because there were so many times when I thought, you know, this guy is going to be at some point seriously embarrassing to everybody who hung around with him, you know, including, uh, including myself. But, yeah, I, again, you know, I didn't have any idea just how embarrassing um but anyway yeah we'll we'll get into that but that's uh you know it, well, it actually, it's tough because on the one hand you really don't want to be like paranoid and uh um 
you know, sort of use snap judgments to say, well, you know, I'm not going to hang around with you because I'm getting a bad vibe. Uh, but, you know, on the other hand, uh, I mean, I will say, like, in my in, in my defense that as soon as Milo published his, uh, you know, peon to the alt-right, I was the first person to write a pretty harsh article um, basically saying that, you know, like this yeah. is... Like Let me ask about this since, since you bring it up. Well, I think it's I think this is yeah. an interesting thing to dive into here because it's part okay, of yeah, part of a concern that I have, right? And so, right. you know, we're going to talk sure. about James Lindsay as well here in a second, who is someone that you have also sort of acknowledged you were a booster of right up until you weren't. Um, I really wasn't. Uh, you know, I, 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 I think it's fair to say that you were fairly. Because I don't think I was not a. I, I was ever a. James Lindsay booster. I mean, I think I sort of I may have interacted with him on Twitter. I mean, fair, I can tell enough. you sort the of quote you have in the article like my... is <laughs> sorry. The quote you had in the article is until fairly recently, I somewhat warily appreciated Lindsay's efforts. So, I, I oh think yeah, 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 yeah. But I mean, I kind way. of well, as I said, I mean, in 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 this case, I was uh, sort of self distancing much more, you know, possibly with a uh, you know knowing that you know the. the certain allies can get really embarrassing uh i i mean i was i can tell you with Lindsay, it was really you know partly just the very strong sort of self-promotion vibe uh i remember that like the first time i think that he seriously came to my attention was when he tried to get me to write about the, it was, well, it was either him or Peter Bogosian. I'm actually not sure which one, but one of them was sending me DMs about that conceptual penis uh, study that they, uh, you know, this is the hoax paper that argued that there's no such thing as a penis and, you know, mm -hmm. it's just a social construct. And it was like, I was getting these DMs saying, yeah, we've got this huge thing that is really going to like blow the gender studies industry to pieces and so on and so forth. And I kind of looked at it and I thought, you know, well, I mean, this seems like an incredibly obscure journal. I didn't even know at the time that it was like a pay, pay to publish journal. So it just kind of seemed to me that they were really overselling it. And then, of course, Robbie Suave kind of looked into it and found that it was just, you know, it was nothing. It was literally like a pay to publish journal that didn't have any impact on the field. So I just sort of got this impression right from the beginning that they were really like overselling what they were doing. I did think that the the other hoax, you know, uh, certain ethical issues aside, you know, I, I, I thought that was that was pretty good. I mean, I, I'm aware of some of the new concerns about the sort of the overselling of the Hitler paper, which, mm -hmm. you know, of course- I guess I'm mostly concerned it. about I guess what I'm yeah. mostly concerned about here is do you worry at all? Yeah. I know you were saying you don't want to become paranoid, but at this point, do you have some concerns that you have a blind spot for heterodox individuals promoting sort of anti-woke material and sort of being willing to go a little too long with letting them sort of do what they're doing, not sort of not not sort of acknowledging the way that it is then going to cater towards uh, the kind of conspiracism where what? you end up wanting I mean, to jump I don't know. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I mean, I, though, I, well, first of all, again, like, honestly, in both cases, I really did from the beginning have a bad vibe. Maybe I should just listen to my instincts more. But I mean, I, is, why did you ignore the bad vibe? Was it because yeah. you felt like incentivized to ignore the bad vibe? 
Oh, well, uh, okay, so I'm going to tell you, and it's going to sound like I'm sort of uh, dodging the blame and trying to pin it on somebody else, but, I mean, in Marlo's case, at least, part of the reason that I sort of told myself that I'm probably being paranoid is that so many other people, including many liberals and sort of people who were sort of left of center, I'm not going to name any names, but there were people from established, you know, publications who were having a very people who were somewhat left of center here (laughs) no 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 no. i'm not talking about christina no no No, i mean mean bill maher is who i said who i don't think should be oh no no classified as someone left of center in the way that would make them a viable sort of i guess yeah okay so so you feel like you were just sort of going along with the crowd on this one uh, and again i don't want to name names specifically but i mean there were people who were um well, I'm, I I guess, you know, Jason Ponton from MIT uh, Labs, you know, no idea. Sorry. Uh, Olivia Nuzzi from, uh, you know, and she later got some serious blowback about it from New York Magazine and later the Daily Beast. I mean, there were, I mean, he got published in Vice Magazine, for instance. I mean, I think Milo kind of took on a lot of people. It's probably the British accent or something. But honestly, I, I was sort of looking at this and thinking, you know, like all these people seem to think he's okay so you know i guess like maybe i'm really overreacting uh so i and i shouldn't have you know i i totally agree that uh now is it is it like a blind spot for heterodoxy i don't know i mean i i can tell you that there are other people that i've sort of given far more of a chance to than i should have who are not at all in the heterodox you know anti-pc thinkers camp um yashar ali who is uh, suddenly getting infamous I, I was sort of i mean i was honestly i was one of his sort of twitter buddies who uh you know and i was uh, only about two weeks ago i was sort of sending him good thoughts when he was you know, doing this very ostentatious sort of suicidal ideation thing on Twitter, which which was giving me the creeps. But again, I was sort of thinking, well, you know, like, it sounds like the guy's in genuine distress. You know, I really don't want to be like countless about this and so on. And of course, now we're learning that. And, you know, he was doing all this sorry. stuff like and, and again, <laughs> it seems a little bit know, spirally. I'm just trying to I'm just trying to keep us a little bit focused. I feel like. Yeah, it yeah. Seems like, it so, seems like it's possible for you to have a blind spot. No, I think it's like possible. I think we all Milo. have blind spots, especially right. with people who can be really charming and personable and engaging. And I think, you know, I don't know that it's a political blind spot in my case because, you know, I mean, okay. I've, I've had these moments when, you know, I, I, again, I was really probably not as um, careful about this as I should have been. I fully admit okay. it. I mean, I. Let's talk about the I've, politics uh, some then, and, and, and let's shift yeah, away yeah, from yeah. talking about people here yeah. a little bit, right? So yeah. one oh, concept yeah. that I want to talk about with here that we've already, I think, brought up, um, and I wanted to define this because I think it's very important, is moral panic. I feel like everyone mm-hmm. is in the process right now of accusing other people of a moral panic, yeah. <laughs> right? Um, and so I think it'd be very good for us to know exactly what we mean when we say something is a moral panic. Do you feel like you have a working definition? Do you want to would you like to, to go first in terms of trying to give a definition Ooh, um, or would you rather I can present what I feel like I have at this point? And, well, and why don't you that? go ahead and I'll, I'll see if I agree. Well, okay. Yeah. So to me, a, a moral panic is here. I wrote it down because definitions you want to be you know careful, right? Uh, a narrative built around a non-existent moral crisis. 
moral panics can happen organically, uh, but they are frequently ginned up for political purposes. Key features would be things like a high rate of false positives with the stories, uh, and typically a kind of think of the children approach to moral reasoning, uh, to quote the late Maud, great Maud Flanders. Does that sort of ring true for you as a definition of, of a moral panic? Um, well, um, I don't know, because I mean, I think it's because you mentioned non-existent problem. I would actually say that it's possible to have a, you know, moral panic about a, a problem, problem that exists, just not nearly on the scale that that's it's a good point. That's a very good correction. I mean, right, you know, right. there there was a moral panic about, uh, uh, well, I mean, insofar as there was a moral panic about satanic ritual abuse, you know, in the 1980s. Um, I mean, are there maybe some individual cases in which people who are dabble in Satanism commit sexual abuse of children? Um, sh- I, you know, right. I'm That's certainly a really not good point. Actually, no, I, I totally, I but totally agree. I mean, mm-hmm. but but yeah. So I mean, it's possible that there was. I mean, does sexual abuse happen in daycare centers? Yeah, of course. And I mean, if you look at some of those. 1980s daycare cases there uh, in some cases there was like a single case of child abuse at a daycare center which would then spiral into you know people other than the perpetrator being accused and you know the the allegations of weird and uh, you know horrific mm-hmm. acts uh so yeah i think it's entirely possible to have a moral panic built around something that is a real problem but is being uh, sort of spun and blown out of all proportion. Um, mm-hmm. So yep. yeah, I mean, I think Great. that I think that that's a correct definition, basically. Uh, no, and I really yeah. I think your correction is incredibly valuable, and I like I feel bad I didn't do it because I think it's very important to note that a moral panic can't be proven by a handful of cases, right? You can't. Like, sorry, what I mean, what I mean to say is you can't prove that it's not a moral panic, right? Because of you, right. because you point to a handful of cases, right? There needs to be right. something more substantive to justify a right. claim than merely yeah, and, a couple of know, cases. I, right? I think that there's another, uh, possibly another uh, sort of well wrinkle that mm-hmm. we may want to add to the definition, because I would say that one of the things that uh, sort of defines a moral panic is the tendency to cast uh, skepticism or disagreement as uh, sort of morally questionable. Like if you if you doubt that this problem exists or if you doubt that this problem is quite as mm-hmm. uh, you know pernicious and pervasive as it's said to be, uh, it's not just that you may be wrong, it's that you're actually, uh, you know, a malefactor who is committing a moral offense. So it's it's this tendency, and I think that's really one thing that uh, really distinguishes a moral panic from, uh, you know, legitimate, uh, you know, possibly factually incorrect, you know, concerns about a problem right. is the tendency to uh, sort of demonize disagreement and... Uh, so, Good. Yeah. Yeah. And, and on that demonizing point, I think it's also valuable. We could add in here another ma- a common feature of a moral panic, not necessary, but a very common one would be that they usually are coupled with some kind of conspiracy theory that like there's someone right. doing the thing, right? Is whether it's the Satanists or, oh, or the yeah. communists or whoever, yeah. right? There's a big bad they who is being demonized as part of the moral panic, right? Yeah. As well, right? Is that that's accurate? Would you say? 
Uh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So let me ask you this. Would you, how would you answer, like, if someone asked, right, what was the asymmetry? Do you feel like there is any asymmetry between, at present, politically speaking, the left and the right when it comes to, especially the conspiracy-laden kind of moral panic? Um... Well, it's a it's a good question, because, I mean, is there anything uh, uh, sort of as insane on the uh, left right now as QAnon? Uh, or Liz Cheney um, being removed for office because she won't stand by the big uh, lie, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I, I do want to make a distinction between, you know, the, the Democratic Party um I think in in terms of, you know, on, on the political level, uh, you know, I think the Democratic Party is definitely sort of in better control of its, uh, you know, its uh, uh, more bizarre elements than the Republican Party is right now. Sure. So, I think that's uh, you know, I, one I way, think one that's way you could put one that. Yeah. Uh, that's one distinction. So yeah, in terms of uh, conspiracy theory beliefs among the base, uh, I mean it's kind of hard to compare because, you know, like I I, I get very very annoyed when people on the right, uh, you know, refer to Trump Russia as a total hoax, etc., and you know just use the words like the Trump Russia hoax because you know I definitely think that you know the Mueller investigation did uh, did show that there was um, you know there was a lot of there there you know there was there really was an attempt by Russia to interfere and you know the Trump administration was welcoming it. On the other hand, I mean, I did think, again, from the beginning, as someone who was always very anti-Trump, I thought, you know, I did find it alarming that uh, a number of people on the left, and I mean, you know, fairly mainstream people, uh, really seemed convinced that Trump was literally Putin's bitch, you know, that, like, Trump was literally, like, a, like an agent who was not just sort of inadvertently or not just uh, uh, sort of objectively, uh, as they used to say, you know, pro-Putin, but th that he was actually like a recruited agent uh, who was uh, uh, mm -hmm. knowingly doing the Kremlin's will. Um, that idea really, honestly, always struck me as incredibly, incredibly far-fetched. Uh, if only because I don't think the Kremlin would even like have an agent who's that kind of you know off the wall and unreliable. Right. Well, I, 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 I think like an outright but, agent so is not a common there view. Is a I think that's on, there is a tendency among uh, among Democrats as well. I think to believe. Uh, you know, far-fetched conspiracy theories. I think that again, okay. not to the same extent so... as QAnon, but I mean, there was there was a poll that I remember like showing a pretty high percentage of Democrats. I think something like a third uh, believing that the that they're, they're saying that there was evidence which there wasn't. You know that the Russians had actually like physically tampered with the voting you know, results and all like literally altered the results to ensure Trump's victory, which, okay. you know, there was no evidence so, whatsoever. So, I mean, I think that there is 
uh, like the, the conspiratorial thinking, I think, really does exist across the board. And again, in different forms, on different levels. Okay. Um, Let me talk about those levels uh, some because I think that's important. Yeah. Right. Right. So I, agree. I mean, I don't want to. Well, I don't. Well, yeah. I, I don't want to equate that to QAnon, but I know. Uh, but I think it's more than just QAnon. I think there's a lot of. So here's my major concern um, with your work. I suppose is um, mm -hmm. my my feeling is there is a substantial asymmetry between the sort of quantity and rate of dissemination of conspiracy, conspiratorial behavior, conspiratorial thinking, all sorts of those sorts of things on the right and in the right media ecosystem as compared to the left. And while I don't think that you wade as deep into the pool as folks like James Lindsay, I do think that you play a pretty substantial role in Okay. In, a, in a part of that ecosystem that does create a space for the catastrophizing and the conspiracy theorizing that makes it possible for folks like Trump and Lindsay to flourish. And I'm, I'm like, I, I, I've got a bunch of examples here that I want to point to, but I just want to give okay. you a second. Like, do you want, should I just go to examples or do you want to respond to that more broadly before I... I well, I can't really respond unless sure. I know what you're talking about, but sure. Sure. Let's, yeah, let's, let's look at some that. examples here, right? So one major concern in the kind of conspiracy realm is things like the Great Replacement or the White Genocide kind of stuff that folks like James Lindsay and uh, Trump and, and a lot of conservatives have promoted at various points. Um, so I, I had these quotes, for example, this is from your discussion about Trump's Warsaw speech, uh, this is in 2017, where you say the recent influx of refugees, mostly from countries with a strong presence of Islamic radicalism, poses serious problems for security and stability in Europe. You also say in that article, rejection of American and Western culture as fundamentally oppressive and racist has been a creeping sickness in progressive circles. I I'm curious, how do you feel like those sort of concerns are fundamentally different from the kind of fear of collapse of white Western culture by radical right elements uh, that is being promoted by folks like Trump's and Lindsay. Well, I think if you, I, I, if you look at those quotes in context, I'm because I remember that article and I think the whole thrust of my article really was to say that, uh, you know, Trump's, uh, um, like the, the thrust of his Warsaw speech is like widely overstated and paranoid. And my, I think my, the, the quotes that you read, I assume, are in the context of saying, well, you know, I'm not denying that there are some valid concerns there. Um, that, that's my concern. I mean, it seems I, like you are validating what, what seem to be to be the kind of conspiratorial concerns while at the same time also criticizing. I don't think that, but that, you know, that would be a little bit like, like, let's say if somebody was writing about, um, you know, the, the, let's say the revisiting the issue that we were talking about just now, the, uh, you know, child abuse, uh, the, the satanic ritual abuse panic of the 1980s. And let's say somebody was writing about that and somebody was saying, look, like this, this whole wave of, uh, you know, these insane prosecutions uh, of, you know, daycare workers based on no evidence whatsoever is is really, really bad, you know, which is not to say that there isn't, you know, a real problem of child abuse in our society, including in daycare. I mean, you know, you wouldn't say that, oh, well, you're validating this, this hysteria. I mean, I think a lot of, 
a lot as we were saying a lot of you validated the satanic elements have have a certain you know core i mean the reason that so what do you think okay so let me understand then what do you think is the core truth of the concerns in those quotes that I just referenced that you feel like should be valid. Well, I mean, I think that, you know, if you look at like Angela Merkel, for instance, has has agreed that the decision to, you know, sort of very rapidly admit this massive number of refugees, which, you know, Germany was really not, or Europe as a whole was not prepared to handle, uh, was not but a good decision. She's a politician and, who's trying to balance a party and deal with a far right element, right? I imagine like so, you, you can't necessarily but, I mean, take no. that as full proof. Right? I mean, are you saying, are you sort of just saying that like politically we need to cater to these far right elements? No, I mean, I don't think it's catering to far. I mean, look, uh, l l let me give you another example, for instance. Uh, okay. And I'm not, you know, again, like if you look at the situation in France, for instance, yeah, I mean, there has been a lot of uh, a lot of really, you know, nasty and uh, bigoted rhetoric about Muslims, which, you know, I, I I agree is a very bad thing. I mean, I wrote, you know, for the record, I did a piece, uh, I think in 2011, I, I had a cover story in Reason about the uh, Muslim panic, which was in the wake of the whole, uh, uh, you know, the uh, Ground Zero mosque uh, debate, you know, which I thought was just ridiculously overwrought. Um, okay. But, you know, at the same time, I think that there are legitimate concerns, for instance, when uh, and this has been reported on by mainstream French television, that there are suburbs of France in which a woman is basically like unable to go into a restaurant or a cafe on her own because, you know, these are like heavily, uh, you know, neighborhoods heavily populated by Muslim immigrants among whom uh, it's sort of a custom that women don't do that. And there's like footage of a woman trying to go, a female correspondent uh, trying to go into a cafe and being basically told like, you're not in Paris, this is our neighborhood and we have our own ways, like get out of here. Uh, I mean, you know, that's, I think that's- You find the same thing in a Hasidic neighborhood though, right? Like a Hasidic Jewish neighborhood in Brooklyn is gonna give you the same reaction. So I'm trying to understand why we're concerned about the Muslims, but not the Jews, if that's the concern. Um, well, I mean, if there if, if there were reports of women being harassed for there like are trying ample to reports go into of a women being harassed by Hasidic Jews, though, like there's there's lots of examples, like the Hasidic Jews who refuse to sit next to women on airplanes. Like this is a this is not an uncommon no, of problem. Course, for and, Hasidic and it's Jews. bad, and I think we should be talking about it. I mean, okay, I, 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 think, just wanted, I just wanted to make I mean, sure. I think like, the problem. Not, uh, not, I guess my point is. You're on board right, but I mean, with I this think idea a... that there's a worry about Muslim immigrants, but I think you would be really aghast if somebody used that argument as an opposition to Jewish immigrants, right? Well, uh, okay, uh, hang on. I mean, I think that it's a totally legitimate uh, area of concern, for instance, in Israel, where the where the uh, you know Hasidic Jews form a sufficiently large percentage of the population that it actually affects like the life of the country as a whole. Um, mm -hmm. I think that, you know, in terms of uh, Europe, uh, I mean, I also think it's it's not really like the, the this uh, sort of uh, fundamentalist Muslim 
subculture is not an issue in the United States because, you know, I mean, we obviously we have a Muslim community, but most of it is really not uh, that conservative. And and it's also quite small. On the other hand, I, I do think that if you're talking about large communities, you know, not, you know, not a sort of tiny neighborhood, but, you know, fairly large enclaves around, uh, you know, around major cities where, uh, where where the culture is sort of dominated by these uh, uh, sort of very culturally authoritarian uh, forces. Uh, I think assimilation sort of becomes a legitimate uh, um, or, you know, lack of assimilation. Wouldn't you agree, though, like, that we're wildly issue? inconsistent about our requests for assimilation? Like, no one's wandering into Chinatown and saying, you folks all have to assimilate. I mean, like, they did at one point, right? But, like, nowadays, people like Chinatown, and so they don't think that we should assimilate Chinatown. But because there is this fear of Muslim communities, it seems like we have to demand assimilation from them in a way that, again, no one's demanding assimilation from the Hasidic Jews either. Well, I mean... I, I do think that, again, I think partly it's, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that there, I've seen, uh, incidentally, you know, here in New Jersey, for instance, I've seen articles in local newspapers discussing the problem of, you know, a large community of uh, Orthodox Jews in Lakewood, uh, where, you know, the atmosphere is such that the father of a boy who was sexually molested by a rabbi was uh, sort of ostracized by the community for going to the police because the mentality in the community is that, you know, we don't go to outsiders with these things. I mean, I think that's bad to allow... But can we agree that this doesn't get comparable, like, concern, demand for assimilation? Like, you have one bad incident in a Muslim community and you get all these demands for assimilation, but you have these ongoing bad incidents. And while we all agree it's bad, nobody is saying the Jews need to assimilate, right? You would be very angry, I think, if someone said that Hasidic community needs to be assimilated into what, right? Into like generic American Judaism? Like, should they be become reformed? Like, what do we even mean by assimilation in these kinds of cases? How does that, how does that not look just like you need to tra trade out your culture for one that is more passive to the majority? Well, I mean, I think what we mean by assimilation is willingness to uh, sort of abide by certain societal norms when you mingle with society. Uh, uh, you know, I think that, uh, it, you know, incidentally, I, I've uh, criticized, you know, I, you, you can look it up. I, I've been very critical of, uh, you know, people like Michelle Malkin, and, and I've actually used some of the same arguments that you have, like when uh, I, I've seen these ridiculous panics being uh, being whipped up, for instance, about uh, uh, people asking for halal food in, uh, you know, university cafeteria. And I've actually said, you know, why is and anyone having the same issues with kosher food. I mean, I think that's absolutely fine. I don't think anyone's asking for, you know, assimilation in terms of, uh, you know, you have to eat the same stuff. Uh, I mean, I think it's a... Even uh, things like, uh, you know, people asking for single sex uh, like swimming hours at the university pool. Again, I think as long as that's very limited, that's fine, whether it's Hasidic right. Jews or, or Muslims. Uh, right. So but, here's what, know, here's I mean, what I'm I saying, right? That... I mean, here's the problem with this conversation, right? Yeah. What I'm saying right. is I think you do a milder version of what people like Michelle Malkin and James Lindsay are doing. And you don't go as far as they do 
right? And sometimes you will be critical of them, just like, you know, Joe Manchin is yep. critical of AOC and vice versa or something like that. But you're still promoting the ecosystem that is giving their world life. And you're promoting a bunch of people who are intermediate steps between you and them, who are also promoting these kinds of demonizing moral panic conspiracies that I think are the reason well, again, that we're, like, you know, Trumpism is reigning. Yeah. Well, there, there is a consensus among, you know, a very wide politically, you know, wide range of people, not in this country, but in Europe, that there are certain problems associated with, uh, you know, uh, certain segments of uh, of Muslim communities. And this is, uh, you know, uh, again, I, I am not in favor of sort of demonizing Muslim communities as a whole. But I mean, you know, there's, uh, the, 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 again, this is not an issue here because well, let's it, look at it, another it's example a very then different situation. But there's a problem with, uh, you know, look at the, 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 the spike in anti-Semitism uh, that has been happening in, in Europe for, you okay, know, for- let's for, talk about the anti-Semitism thing, actually, because you recently, you recently shared an uh -huh. article so this is an example of where I feel like you, so you have principles, let me back up a little bit. You had principles at the end of one of your articles that I thought was quite valuable, right? You say, and, and this okay. is like a good method to avoid a moral panic, right? Ask yourself, is a story uh, being accurately reported and ask yourself, is it newsworthy, right? I think those are two very reasonable concerns, but I noticed you recently shared out an article where the source was Daily Mail and, or, or it was either Daily Mail or Free Beacon, right? And it was an article about Rutgers, the university that I attend, um, recently sending out emails and the, top, the headline, and I want to make this clear, the headline was Rutgers apologizes for condemning anti-Semitism. Okay. Do you feel like that was an accurate headline for what actually happened in that particular, do you remember the story? I remember the story, but do, do you mean that I linked to, to the Daily Mail piece and my you article? Link, you no, you, you retweeted someone who was uh, linking the Daily Mail article, and you retweeted it as, this is something oh. bad that happened at Rutgers. Well, you know, I did eventually check out the, um, the, the, the Rutgers statement itself, and I think that that wasn't it. I mean... Okay, they were apologizing for accurate? a statement that condemned anti-Semitism without at the same time uh, making, you know, statements about the plight of Palestinians. Which is um, very different, I think we can agree, from they apologized for condemning anti-Semitism full stop, right? That's a, that's a pretty important second half of that sentence you had right there. Um, okay, but I mean, I think the, the, the salient point to me is that they did apologize for a statement that condemned anti-Semitism. No, I mean, they it, apologized for a statement that, that condemned anti-Semitism without. And here's why I bring this up. Right. This is why I got very frustrated because I, I got the emails. Right. Because I'm at Rutgers. So I got the first okay. email. Right. And then I got the reply e or like the follow up email that said, we apologize for not taking into account the plight of Palestinians as well when sending out this email. And I thought to myself, this is exactly the sort of thing that would get picked up as a moral panic. Right. And sure enough, there it is getting shared on on Twitter when like what they were doing was, you know, just saying, look, we should have also said that we care about 
like crimes against Palestinians and violence against Palestinians. But see, also I, I think first of all, that was a completely ridiculous statement. I mean, I think why whether does... Or not think, well, okay, so whether or not you think it's ridiculous, let's at least agree the headline of the Daily Mail was wrong. They didn't, they didn't, they uh, didn't okay, apologize well, for condemning anti-Semitism because that's different than apologizing for condemning anti-Semitism without also talking about the other thing. You can, you can call that stupid, right? You can say you don't think that that is a good thing for them to have corrected. But I just want to point out the Daily Mail okay, misrepresented the, the, the story. bottom line for me, you know, they apologized for a statement that condemned anti-Semitism. Now, whether or not I did not think when I retweeted that, I certainly didn't think that they were apologizing for like the actual act of condemning anti-Semitism. I figured that it was something about that's what you know, it looks like though, it from the, the headline. But okay, look. Uh, I mean, do you think that you would be as careful in parsing, uh, let's say, a statement? Uh, yes, I would try to. I mean, I, mean, I think I think your principles okay, are good, okay, so let's and so say I'm like, that, I'm, I'm, just, uh, I'm pointing to examples of where I feel like you are doing the thing that you condemn in others, that you are contributing to these various kinds of moral panics, like there's a widespread hatred of Jews on the left, which is what you take away from that article. Right, that's the impression is no, Jews I don't are not think safe that, in academia. No, I mean, I think if you look Absolutely, at the articles that that's I actually the wrote, of the article. like, so, so I mean, look, uh, so you, you can tell me, like, uh, okay. seriously, that you have never retweeted an article uh, from well, the left that I'm had not, an oversimplified, uh, no, no, an oversimplified no. statement about something on the right. So, no, yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's oversimplified it's... to elicit an emotional reaction. I so, think, so you do agree yeah, that it's people... oversimplified to elicit emotional reactions? Well, though. it's oversimplified in that, you know, headlines generally tend to be oversimplified. I mean, you know, that's... Uh, well, con content. Uh, it's cool. The content that goes with the headline is also generally oversimplified, right? Uh, no, I mean, I think the Daily Mail did... Um, I, and, you know, I'm, I may not be a great fan of the Daily Mail. I think if you look at the article in that case, I think they did explain, you know, why they apologized. I think they quoted from the statement extensively. I did look okay. at the article before I retweeted it. But, I mean, the, 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 the thing is that people, uh, you know, people do sort of simplify, especially in headlines... People simplify things into, you know, certain nuggets. Uh, I mean, you know, look at, uh, I will even say as much as I dislike Trump, you know, people have sort of oversimplified his statements uh, sometimes. Like the, the, there, there was a time when, uh, you know, okay. he, he got uh, roasted, uh, you know, raked over the coals because, uh, you know, the, the claim was that I don't, he I don't deny that there is a, a, a system that mongers cheap takes. What I'm saying is that doesn't right, seem like a defense right. against doing it, right? Like you shouldn't, that shouldn't be a response well, I mean, to I, yeah, I, I think that there's thing, a difference. Right? I think there's a difference between uh, tweeting an article that has an oversimplifying headline. I'm sure I've done it, you know, with regard to Trump also. I mean, you know, I've, I, I know I have. <laughs> you know, okay, I've, well, let's uh, talk about something more robust uh, than a tweet then, right? Uh, if you feel like it's just, I, this I is just Twitter, that, then let's well, talk about something else. You know, just to, to, to finish the point, you know, if you look at the article that I actually wrote on the subject, uh, you know, for Arc Digital uh, on the subject of anti-Semitism, um, I did, uh, you know, I, I, I did report on the Rutgers situation, and I'm also a Rutgers alum, by the way. Uh, but, but, you know, I reported on that situation with, you know, hopefully enough nuance. 
uh, I still think that they handled it in a completely disgraceful way. Yeah. Your second criteria of whether it's newsworthy. Is, yeah. is it genuinely newsworthy that Rutgers sent out an email condemning anti-Semitism then an email saying, oops, we should have also condemned Palestinian, like violence against Palestinians? Is that really like an important noteworthy event that I got those emails? Like, why is that important? It doesn't show a pattern of, of anti-Semitism. So what is it? Why does it matter as a story? Uh, why does it matter? Because I mean, I think it is kind of a, a sign of incredible kind of moral moral pusillanimity, you know, so to speak, that Rutgers... So academics, ac academics trying to... I mean, like, wait a minute, though. Like, the, the idea that the administrations are trying not to anger their various student groups is not news, it doesn't seem to me, unless they're doing it by doing well, something I'm sorry, like, but it's kind of... Wait, wait, wait. No, 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 wait, wait. It seems <laughs> okay. to me that if you're, if you're apologizing for a statement. I mean, look, this was a statement that the only content of which was to say we condemn anti-Semitism. To say that there's something so problematic about the statement that you have to retract it because they I mean, didn't in the midst of an open things. violence between Israel and Palestine, like you can understand why it's a fraught situation. But we're talking about we're not talking about that. But I mean, they were right? commenting on the situation in Israel and Palestine. They were talking right. specifically about yeah, but I mean, that's, uh, don't you think that that's really kind of, you know, I hate the word problematic, but don't you think that that's really problematic to say that if you're talking about violence against Jews specifically in the United States, you have right to now? sort of. In the well, hearing now, yeah, no, I don't think it's that problematic to say, to look, if I'm going to, yeah, I, I really don't, I mean. For, uh, I mean, no, even I think it's, because I it's think it's, really it's not, it's not newsworthy. Somehow... It's, not, it's just not newsworthy is the important thing here. This is emails. Well, hold on. Okay, well, if we're right? going like... to talk about what's newsworthy, you know, okay. we, have a, a, we, we have a front page story in the New York Times. Talking now about you're just both and the New York Times. That's I'm like the New York Times is the New York Times. My point is we shouldn't be adding we shouldn't be adding fuel to that by doing the same thing that you're accusing the New York Times of doing. So just saying other people are doing it is not a recourse. It seems like. Uh, okay. Well, I mean, I think it's newsworthy. I mean, okay. I think. Okay. Look, Fair I mean, if a major let's, let's university. A Hang on. We, we've yeah. been on this if, forever. If, let yeah, me yeah, just sorry. give right. you an example. You know, up. if yeah. a university, if a university issued a statement condemning racism. And then, you know, for some reason, backtracked and like, let's say, OK, let's let, let's have a parallel. Let's say that, you know, a university issued a statement in support of, you know, Black Lives Matter, a statement condemning racism. And then the next day, they not only retracted it, but sort of apologized for that statement, saying, oh, well, that statement really should have said something about, you know, violence against the police. I think that would. Do you really think those things are comparable in any way? Yeah, I mean, okay. I think that. that I'm not going. I don't want to argue that. I think. I think there's right. obvious differences between those two. Um, but I did want. I want to get to another topic. So, like, I, okay. I think we can agree to disagree that the, that it's a comparable. But if, okay. if that is what you feel the comparison is, I think people can decide in terms of. Um, that comparison. So, so I want to talk about um, shifting away from anti-Semitism here to sort of the the critique of the woke. Right. You, I think, are 
in the anti-woke camp, generally speaking, right? And okay. yeah, you, I think I, I will, I will right. cop to that. <laughs> right, and and while, and you have, for example, said things like in that IDW article that Sam Harris underrated the degree to which social justice progressivism, uh, not just its excesses, poses a danger to the foundational values of free society, which again, I feel like feels very similar to the kind of Western civilization talk that, that James Lindsay talks about. But I want to look specifically in the article with your critique of James Lindsay, you promoted John McWhorter, who is another sort of critiquer of the, the woke. Um, and I want to sort of understand, right, how do you feel like John McWhorter's argument that the woke are a new religion committed to indoctrinating your children is different fundamentally from James's argument that the woke are a new religion committed to indoctrinating your children? What makes you feel like those two are different where you condemn one and praise the other? Well, I mean, I think that uh, one uh, very obvious difference is that I think, uh, uh, you know, John McWhorter is someone who seriously engages arguments on the other side. Uh, I think that, you know, John, uh, John doesn't... Uh, but what's different uh, in the substance of their arguments rather than in their sort of civility, levels of civility? Well, I, I, I'm pretty sure John doesn't you know, go around suggesting that we're, uh, you know, we may be on our way to uh, to, to a white genocide, uh, which, you know, James suggested on Twitter the other day. Uh, so it's I that mean, he doesn't I go all that, the way into the, into like full I think on that John, the I think theory. that John uh, it, uh, certainly does a lot more in terms of, uh, you know, acknowledging the fact that, you know, there really is a racism and that, you know, the history of racism is, uh, you know, is something that we need to seriously contend with. I mean, you know, John has said uh, on, uh, you know, a number of occasions that he believes the, um, you know, the, 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 the worst threat of this, uh, this, sort of mindset on this uh, societal trend is actually not to uh, white people, but to black people. So, I mean, I think he he's very yeah, careful and I want, I want to, to talk kind about of steer this, right? clear of the... Uh, it doesn't make know, it better. The, <laughs> well, I mean... <laughs> I Here, here's uh, my point, right? Like, we talked about yeah. the conspiracism stuff, right? And one of the major concerns with moral panics and conspiracy theories is the demonizing of the people who you are claiming are doing this particular harm. Have you read McWhorter's book, The Elect? The one that he builds out of, of the, it, yeah. okay. So it, it's well, based on the article that well, you this is what he posted on Substack, because I think it's going to be substantially different by the, uh, by okay. the time. But let me, I just want to pull a few quotes from the, from the book, right? And I, I want to understand why you feel like these do not lead to where James Lindsay ends up, right? So the book itself is called The Elect, Neo-Racists mm -hmm. Posing as Anti-Racists and Their Threat to a Progressive America, right? So that's our opening title, which to me seems fa fairly catastrophizing, right? Um, so in, the, in there, there's a couple of things he says, right? He says, um, uh, since about 2015, a peculiar contingent, as you're referring to the woke, have been slowly headlocking us into making an exception, supposing that their new religion is so incontestably good, so gorgeously surpassing millennia of brilliant philosophers' attempts to identify the ultimate morality that we can only bow down 
and humbly acquiesce. He says, the problem is that on matters of uh, societal procedure and priorities, the adherents of this religion, true to their very nature of religion, could not be reasoned with. They are, the, in this, medievals with lattes, right? And he says, how, how can we get mm -hmm. through to these yeah. people? We cannot, right? The question is not how can we, the only question is how we can live graciously among them, right? So I guess it seems to me that, here, I'll, I'll read one more and then I'll just get to the point here, right? One of the key insights I hope to get across is that, sorry, um, so this is weird, right? He says, um, my assumption is that the people in question are largely unreachable by arguments of any kind or of that kind. But he also says that he wants to say they're not zealots, which I think is him just sort of being inconsistent on that particular page. My, my general concern, though, is McWhorter is basically arguing there is a cult of indoctrination that is going on that is rampant in public schools and maybe in, like, the government as well. How do you tell people that and not have them end up where James Lindsay ends up with wanting to ban this stuff in schools, with wanting to get these people fired? Like, where? how do you not get to that point in the conclusion? Like, why is that not the rational place to go in your mind? Uh, right. Well, I mean, as far as I know, uh, John doesn't suggest that. So, I mean, right, obviously, but that's, what I mean, that's what makes it stochastic, right? If you if you make every part of the argument except the conclusion, and you leave the conclusion implicit, haven't you just made space for people to fill in the blank there with, and we should do whatever is necessary, right? He says later in the in the book, he says. Um, the question is, will we knuckle under to this pay to play or will we assert these people are gruesomely reminiscent of Hitler's racial notions in their concept of an alien blood deep malevolent whiteness like he's comparing them to Hitler and saying they're indoctrinating their children. People are going to respond, right? People are going to respond with, with fear right. and with anger, and they're going to react in, in very dangerous ways. And, like, aren't you worried about Well, that? I mean, look, I, 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 I respond with anger. I mean, you know, when I, I, I think some of this content that we're seeing from, uh, you know, from public schools today, it, it so really you think is he's quite right? horrific. Who, John? So or, I mean, or James yeah, if you think if you think John, well, I don't I don't see any daylight between them other than like James Lindsay says the quiet part out loud, whereas McWhorter just leads you right up to that part and lets you make the inference. No, because I'm pretty sure that McWhorter does sort of outline other ways of dealing with this. And what I mean, would the other ways be if you think that they've indoctrinated everyone in the government? I don't think he's suggesting that. Uh, where does he suggest that? I mean, I, I'm pretty. It gives the impression I, that this I, I is a widespread he... problem, and that like well, no one is coming to the rescue. Problem doesn't mean that everyone is indoctrinated. I, I think that uh, you know there is certainly. I mean, I think John's argument is that people who are not indoctrinated, and again, I don't know. Uh, I don't remember those specific. Uh, you know, uh, those specific comments. I don't know to what extent, like he um thinks that uh you know what percentage of people he thinks are you know genuinely unreachable i don't think i think he he's pretty believes... inconsistent about it actually i think sometimes he makes it out to be every woke person and then other times he suggests that it's a smaller well subject, you know having is, again... talked to john uh i mean i know john personally so you know I, I i don't presume to speak for him but i'm pretty sure he doesn't believe that it's you know every woke person uh i think that uh, you know, he uh, he believes it about the sort of the leadership or, well, not the leadership because it's not an organization, but the uh, kind of the, the, the prominent figures who are sort of setting the tone for all this. 
uh, and, you know, a certain sort of cotter of really zealous acolytes. I certainly don't think he believes that about every woke person. Uh, in terms of, you know, other um, areas where, I, I mean, you know. Uh, he, he describes it as being like your friends, your sisters, like your sibling, like, like it's people of your family. Like he just, he's not talking about the leadership. He said he's talking about rank and file in this in this book. Yes, but does he say that that, that, that like the rank and file? That, does he say that like that they everyone be converted, who's been influenced yes. by these ideas is unreachable? I don't yes, think so. That's, he repeatedly says things like, "On this, they true to nature cannot be reasoned with." I mean, people can read the book itself. My, it's themselves. I think he's very catastrophizing about the people who we he thinks that we are dealing with on the woke side of things. Well, you know, uh, again, I, I don't, I, I wouldn't use the word unreachable. I mean, I will tell you, by the way, and you, you can accuse me of catastrophizing. Like, I first became aware of this. Uh, I was talking about this on Twitter the other day. Uh, I became aware of this um, uh, sort of, you know, quote unquote, wokeness or, you know, whatever. I, I mean, at the time it was, uh, it, it, it went by sort of social justice. Um, I became aware of this on Tumblr in uh, uh, when I was sort of hanging around Tumblr around uh, 2014, maybe, where, you know, before this was kind of a society-wide thing. And I really did notice what I thought was an incredibly alarming trend, which is, you know, people who had until uh, recently been sort of regular normal people who were, you know, joining Tumblr and all of a sudden they were posting this bizarre stuff like, you know, all I can think of, you know, every time I walk down the street is that one woman in three is going to get raped or, you know, they would suddenly start like telling people that, uh, you know, we shouldn't again, celebrate. Like, these are things. anecdotes from the Internet. I mean, the Internet is full of stuff like. Yeah, but these were by, by this these reasoning were you could justify that I had actually any interacted panic. with. No, no, no. But, but, these were well, people. This is, this is, hold on a second. This is hang why on we, one we second. Let me just finish. Okay. Let, let me okay. just because these were people that I had personally known. Well, not personally because I hadn't met them personally, but I interacted with them. Uh, the, the, I was on a message board at the time where I had had fairly extensive interactions with these people. You know, these were usually college students uh, who were you know, smart, sort of regular people who, who seemed, you know, perfectly normal. That's what they said about the hippies in the 60s, though. Like, what is this? How is this meaning? I'm like, at the beginning of our episode, yeah. right, we defined a moral panic. And, we, and you made a very right. good point that a moral panic can't be proven by, I have a couple anecdotes of this thing happening. But now here you are telling me, you know, I believe this because I, I first experienced a couple of anecdotes of this thing happening. And I'm like, I think you got sucked into a moral panic. No, it panic. wasn't a couple. Really, it wasn't. It wasn't just a couple. Panic, I mean, like all of a sudden, PC. it really did seem to be like everyone I knew. Now, do we want to do? You know, I'm all in favor of doing. You know, doing surveys to you know to to determine how common this thing is. Now, I mean, we may be coming at this from very different you know perspectives because I assume that. Some of the things that to me seemed like, oh my God, this is completely like the things are out of control would probably seem to you like positive changes, like people probably. suddenly <laughs> starting to say that you shouldn't use the word insane as a pejorative because it's demeaning to the mentally What do you think about Ill, not but... using the word gay as pejorative? You think that's a good change? Yeah. Okay. 
So you think that some things are a good change. You just feel like you draw the oh, line differently. Yeah. That's no, not, no, I mean, I have That's just the difference in look, language. I have, I mean, like... as a board moderator, this was like before, before all this stuff. I mean, I have personally asked, I personally asked people not to use the word gay as pejorative. And but I notice how we've shifted that, from... Oh, that's perfectly fine because it's, it doesn't actually mean homosexual. It's just the way we use the word. Right, but so, Kathy, Kathy, you know, we, we've, shifted, we've shifted from indoctrination in schools to some people on the internet don't like some words which I think is indicative of No, 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 no. I don't think... For sure. No, I think it was... No, it's a lot more than that. I mean, I think that, uh, you know, it's a lot more than that because it was also people saying... I mean, uh, there were statements and these were statements, by the way, that were getting, like you know, adoringly reblogged by like hundreds of thousands of people. Can say that. Like all hang on, hang on, hang on. Let me, hang on. Yeah, okay. It was like, I remember the statement. I And I remember seeing the statement in, like, I think 2014 and thinking we're headed in a really bad direction. And the statement was somebody posting, you know, every time I go on Tumblr, I really like, I, I, I feel like I'm living in a bubble universe because I, I look around here and I think that, uh, you know, most people really are, you know, anti-racist opposed to body shaming, you know, opposed to rape culture and, uh, you know, concerned about the environment and so on and so forth. And then I talk to my parents and go out into the real world and realize that the vast majority of people are still the same oppressive assholes that they always were. That's the definition of a cult. You know, that's the definition of a cult because you really do have this mentality that, you know, we are, you know, and this is sort of the elect. This is the word that John McWhorter used. Uh, now, I mean, is it totally irrelevant that, like, you know, half a million people on Tumblr reblogged the statement and that a lot of them are on colleges and a lot of them have this mentality? Uh, you know, I, I think this is way beyond a few people saying things on the internet. I mean, if you look at a lot of the college protests, if you look at the the, the norm changes <laughs> in uh, the major media. Okay, uh, here's know. my problem. I think that you're wildly inconsistent when it comes to how you deal with moral with, with issues on the internet. So you are okay. very defensive of Gamergate. You seem to think that it, people have over misrepresented Gamergate and exaggerated the problem there. But it seems to me that the stuff that like you're mostly concerned about on the internet these days is the playing out of Gamergate's manual by everyone that like everyone is using kind of gamergate strategies and like you said at one point in one of your articles that people should just sort of ignore harassment online but then and you turn around and say and it's incredibly horrible what's happening to jesse single and like this is the worst thing ever kind of you know responses to that and i just feel like it's not at all consistent in my mind. Well, no, I don't think there's any inconsistency. Yeah, no, let me let me tell you how let me tell you why I don't think that's inconsistent. Okay. I mean, I think that it's uh perfectly fine and, you know, possible and desirable to ignore someone saying, you know, shut up, you stupid bitch. Uh I don't think it's nearly as possible to ignore somebody posting rumors that you are, uh, you know, a stalker and harasser of trans women. Uh, Jesse Single has been, you know, the, the, the harassment. But Gamergate absolutely Jesse... did a bunch of things like that, too, right? That's that's a that's a technique that has been picked up by Internet trolls, like across the spectrum. So I'm trying to understand why you downplay it 
when it's Gamergate doing it to people and you say, well, there were some bad apples. Yeah, I like- mean, I don't, I, I'm uh, really did, uh, who, whom did Gamergate accuse of? And I mean, Gamergate is a huge thing. So, I mean, there were, there were people eventually who had once been associated with Gamergate who harassed me. But this because, is my point, you know, right? Was- you, you would make excuses for them, but you are wildly condemning about the people rather, rather than like saying, well, why are people going after Jesse? And is like, maybe they're wrong, but like, maybe they feel like this is the only mechanism or something for actually pushing back or something. It seems like, no, hold, very, on, hold on. But yeah. am I excusing the people in Gamergate who were harassing someone? For, yeah. Because, I think there are, I think if you no, read the article, no, I'm that saying that suggest, that's yeah. not the only, no, I'm saying that first of all, Gamergate was a hugely, uh, I mean, Gamergate was a completely disorganized sort of leaderless thing. Uh, as far like as Milo I know, like the who, people, who the people that, yeah, and I think people were way too comfortable with Milo. Uh, you know, I, I think Milo eventually sort of dished Gamergate when he wasn't able to recruit it for the alt-right. And, you know, he was, uh, uh, he, you know, said some really, you know, scathing things about them eventually. Uh Yes, but I mean, that people all turn on each other eventually after they've yeah, all done okay. really horrible things. Yeah, okay. Well, first things. of all, well, let me let me point out one thing. Okay, Gamergate. Okay. You know, whatever. You know, there were some uh, bad people associated with Gamergate. I wrote that from the beginning, by the way, and I wrote that they need to be more, more careful about, you know, not associating with those people. Uh, Gamergate at one point actually had a harassment patrol where they would like they and people who. Um, uh, were very critical of Gamergate, like Jason uh, Shire, I think, who was a video game journalist, who who was you know very anti-Gamergate. Actually, acknowledged that at one point Gamergaters were like monitoring people harassing the journalists that they disagreed with, and you know and doxing them, and, and they were reporting those incidents like to Twitter and helping shut down those accounts. Now, has anyone? Uh, and this is sort of a trick question. Has anyone in the activist community that, you know, disapproves of Jesse Singles reporting, have any of them ever condemned the harassment directed at him? I'm not aware of that. You know, Lots I am not of aware people. of a single I'm sure, I'm sure that they have. I'm sure, like, this well, is the whole, she... like, why haven't the Muslims condemned? Here's my point, right? No, 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 no. no. Show me, oh, no, show me a single instance because I can, you know, I can show you, like, numerous Gamergaters saying that we absolutely condemn, like, the harassment mm. of, the, the, you know, the people problem, who... Right, here's the problem, though, Kathy, right? No There's one, also... no one, I don't see anyone criticizing the, I mean, people... Again, people... Every, here's the thing, Kathy, in response to almost every concern that yeah. I've raised, you have deflected okay. to a different group that is also doing the bad thing, right? Do you know what I'm saying? Like my my objection to no, you I'm is not you are being no, I'm not deflecting. No, you, you're the one who initially brought up Jesse Single, right? Because and I'm trying point. to show a point of inconsistency here, not trying to but litigate Jesse Single's story. I do there think there is. I absolutely, I absolutely there's, think there's that you are more sympathetic to individuals hang on, hang who on. engage in various behaviors online here actually i'm not sympathetic to anyone who harasses people but uh, l- let's look you at were the sympathetic to milo for a long time think... you were sympathetic to james Lindsay for a long time who actively harasses people on twitter are you going to deny well, that let's... james Lindsay actively has harassed people on twitter like earlier and than that's uh, i mean as soon, as soon as i became aware of his harassing people on twitter i you know i i stopped being sympathetic to him i, I mean i was not aware I, I, I think that you I, 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 um, I find it hard to believe that you could be unaware of his behavior 
up until like a year ago, I guess, or however recently it was that you actually finally condemned him, where you, you know, it was mostly about the fact that he had gone uh, too far on, on anti-Semitism rather than that he has been a horrible moment. No, I actually, like, even years. if you look at, uh, no, hold on, hold on. I mean, you can look at, uh, I wrote an article, uh, I think it was in August of last year, where I wrote about this whole stupid, like, math gate, you know, two plus two equals five. And I actually said on that article, you can look it up. I said, you know, I, I think James Lindsay was sort of objectively on the right side of that. On the other hand, he acted like such an asshole that I think it's difficult to be sympathetic. How could he be objectively because... on the right side of it? He was if, if, if his whole project was just being an asshole on Twitter. That was no, the whole activity. He... No, 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 no. Hold on, hold on. I, I hate to, I, I hate to stick up for James Lindsay here. But I think he was pointing, <laughs> pointing out some, you know, very pernicious. Uh, uh, I think he was he pointing out some very pernicious rhetoric. You know, come on. No, uh, he at doesn't. The same why time, are you giving you him know, credit? Like, why article. would you back up on giving him credit when you can just say, "Look, I, I ignored the fact that he was an asshole on Twitter for a long time." No, because... I didn't. No, no. I mean, honestly, as soon as I became aware of him being an asshole, you can look up this article where I and, and I don't think that's an inconsistent position. I said, I think that, you know, the, the things that he was attacking in terms of, you know, people putting out completely pernicious ideas about, you know, how, you know, two plus two equals four, you know, somehow is connected to white supremacy. I think that's uh, that's completely okay. nuts. You know, okay. on the other hand, I said in the same article that, you know, he, he uh, basically he used that whole incident to uh you know to really genuinely harass kareem carr you know who who i disagree with but who was sort of unfailingly civil and you know polite and uh uh and so on in that exchange and i think Lindsay was it was absolutely horrible to him and i said i again i said that in this article so i don't think you can really say that i disregarded you know Lindsay's harassment of people uh, I had not been aware prior to that of his uh, harassing anyone. I mean, I don't really, you know, contrary to, uh, you know, what some people may think, you know, I am not obsessed with James Lindsay, as a lot of his fans believe. I do not watch his account day and night. I was really genuinely unaware of, uh, you okay. know, his uh, being an asshole to anyone. Uh, but, you know, I do want to back up and get back to Jesse Single, because I think that this is, uh, you know, this is a situation that, I think really does show that there is a serious problem. Like here is a professional journalist who is getting harassed in like right, but the problem unbelievably is not woke, vicious right? and career damaging ways. Okay. Uh, but it's not the woke as a problem alone, right? The problem is people on the internet. No, no, right? but the I mean, problem this is, is people on the but, internet but, using but, the but internet. You're to sort of, you're, you're, I, I want to finish my point though, because I, I, I think this is sort of a little beyond, you know, just the mere fact that he's getting harassed. Now, here's some of the things that have happened uh, related to Jesse Single. So, and I'm not going to name any names because I don't want to make this about individuals. But, you know, there is an account, there is a writer for a, you know, who's, who's contributed to a number of mainstream publications, including Vox. Um, again, I'm not going to name any names, who made accusations that Jesse Single, this is a transgender woman, uh, who made accusations that Jesse Single had, like, harassed her, had sent her harassing and creepy uh, right. personal messages. Right. 
and kept saying that, you know, yeah, I have the receipts. Uh, Jesse eventually sort of, you know, basically confronted her with like, you know, either you, you have to like, you know, put up or shut up. Like, wh- wh- where are those harassing messages? And, and I think he published like a full record of all of their exchanges as he had them. And uh, I don't recall exactly what her eventual explanation was, but I mean, I think eventually uh, she just deleted the Medium article where she made those accusations. Uh, so what do you feel like is the point of this story? Like, what is you, so you, the you, point you, of this? The point of this story is that this person who has made, uh, you know, who was in a number of venues, uh, basically, you know, slandered a professional, a fellow journalist, uh, has suffered no career repercussions for this whatsoever. Like Jesse, at one point when she was still making those accusations contacted one of her editors at the publication where she was working at the time and was basically told, well, we don't deal with, you know, things that people have done uh, on other platforms. So this is really our concern. Uh, I think, uh, and I mean, the the other point of my story is that, you know, a number of groups like, you know, uh, the Penn Center, uh, various professional journalist associations, uh, you know, even like Amnesty International, have published these, you know, incredibly moral, panicky, by the way, statements about the harassment of women on the internet. Uh, I mean, if you want to talk about moral panics, I mean, that's you're, like you're doing it again. You've now, you've now, you've now, once again, and, and, other and doing hold, hold on, <laughs> and they have not said a single word about the fact that this person, a professional journalist, has been has endured like three or four years of absolutely vicious harassment that includes not just name calling, but actual smears and like accusations of stalking and accusations of being a sexual harasser and, what and, does it so, prove? and so on. So it doesn't prove anything. That's my point. Yes, it does. It does actually. No, it proves that there's an incredible what? It proves that there's an incredible double standard where like people uh, people get that everyone appears to live to, shape. including you. Like you're also part of that double standard. It seems like. Where is my double standard? I by, mean, by I, would, being I mean, really, believe, really I, fixated on things like the anti woke, like the woke doing these things, but not paying attention to the way that anti woke are doing these things. Well, I wouldn't. I mean, I've have first of all, I have written about uh, you know harassment by the right. I mean, I've experienced harassment by the right. There, so a I think that's you know. Issue, I, I mean, I not only experienced harassment by the right. I actually had you know some dude call my uh, my home number and leave a message reading reading an excerpt from a Hitler right. speech. Okay. So Here's I mean, I'm we sur- all get harassment online, right? And if your all problem right, is just right, people but... getting harassed online, then that's a problem that can be solved with better moderation online, right? It's not proof that there is a massive woke cult that is indoctrinating your children or something like that. Right, that's my point. That's the moral panic. Well, okay, now we're talking about two Jesse's single story. Sort of well, no, it's all part from, of this. We... Sa- it's all part of this same moral panic. Like it's all part of the same woke run amok. Prove this. So, sorry. Hold on a second. I got. I got to pause doing... us here. We're we're way yeah. way over time. I need to. I need to break it off okay. so that I can sorry. do a part two. No, it's okay. I just wanna. I'm gonna wrap it up here. Um, we clearly have lots more to talk about. Um, but um, okay. if you're cool, but we'll stick around and we'll do a part two, and we can we can talk some more. As a human, I was ill-equipped to thank you. 
but as myself, you have my everlasting gratitude. Thanks to our listeners and patrons who make this show possible. Thanks, as always, to our top-tier patrons, our Archon-level patrons, Lawrence Shielding, Jesse Rabinowitz and Brenda Goodman, Chad T, CampQuest.org, 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 Dude, and Fix the Vote. And thanks, as always, to our Archduke-level patrons, Big Easy Blasphemy, Little Creepy Void Eyes, and Dave Maslich. Thank you all for making this all possible. If you'd like to support the show, please subscribe and leave us a five-star rating and a review on your podcast app. Follow us on Twitter at ETVPod. And if you notice a small void growing within you, consider supporting us financially at patreon.com slash embrace the void. Just $4 a month gets you early access to episodes and our bonus ETV reading group content. Most of all, right here, right now, you are the void and the void is you.